Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. We're a church family in North Carolina with a vision for people to experience the grace of Jesus, be filled with the Father's love, and to release the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's this week's message from Mooresville. Who's been a while since I've been up here? And look at the time that they gave me. We Africans are known to be long preachers. We like really emphasizing the word, word for word. I'm just kidding. But um, but I'm excited about today. And uh, I want you to repeat this after me. Not by might. Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what it's all about. It's about the spirit of God. It's not about our strength. It's not about the power that we have. But it's about his spirit that resides in us. Amen? Mm. So, Father, this morning we just thank you. And with open hearts... We just open ourselves to receive what you have for today, Father. And the Holy Spirit, manifest yourself, whichever way you want to manifest. Do in our hearts whatever you want to do. And we all say it. Amen and amen. Appreciate it, squires. Thank you. I haven't even begun yet. He's celebrating. This is good. But, um, so I was asking the Father what he had for us this week. And you actually will really for today. And the enemy has fought me tooth and nail the whole week for it. You know, first the AC goes out. So think about how hot it's been, right? So for the last week and a half or so, something like that, I really haven't had much sleep. See, so my accent is extra heavy. That's why. If you need a translator... You have the spirit of God. Remember, I just said it in the beginning. Not by might, not by power. So the spirit is going to take care of you. And I promise you, it's all English. And even if it was speaking in Swahili, I just say, you know, it's tongues anyways. None of you will know, but wait a minute, the spirit will translate. Okay, maybe not. So... So what the father was speaking to me, he said, he gave me the word identity. Identity. And I know in this present time that we're in, identity is just being assaulted left and right. I don't know how many different kind of genders we have right now. I can't even keep count anymore. But we know the devil is a liar. So but when the father was speaking to me about identity... One of the first thoughts that I had was imagining Adam and Eve in the garden, completely pure, holy, uninterrupted, fully known by the Father, and then then fully known the Father as well. The identity absolutely intact, very intact. And I was thinking, what was actually happening to their hearts after the fall? 
the fractured identity that they had, all of a sudden now they have lack of clarity, stumbling left and right, forgot who they are, and obviously you can see that perpetuating itself to the present day. So today I just want to come from the angle of the Father's heart. The Father heart of God. And speaking about identity from the Father heart of God. Amen? And Tommy, I'm talking about the heart. Not like injury, I'm heart. <laughs> Do you catch that? Someone's saying, some words are really hard for me to pronounce. Like, B-I-R-D and B-A-D. When I say it, it sounds about the same. Most people are like, are you saying bird or are you saying bad? I'm like, both? I don't know. I'm like, you can discern that, right? Anyways, so but I do want to come from the Father heart of God. And what I want to start with is just begin with a lie. Okay. Just to make it clear, what was the lie? I'm sure you all read Genesis over and over again, so I'm preaching to the choir at this point. But I want to start from that part. And this is from Genesis 3, 1 through 4. And I like using the New Living Translation. It's my kind of translation. Simple English, straightforward, and I don't have to try to decipher words in there. And it says this. And the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of these trees in the garden? Okay, I want you to think about that. Did God really say, posing a question, right? And remember, he was shrewd. And I'm going to define that word a little bit. I'm not an English person, Andy, sorry, because I know you vocabulary connoisseur. So I'm going to give you my best shot. Okay? But remember that word. He was the shrewdest. Then he goes on to say, of course, we may eat. His, his response. Of course, we may eat from the fruit. The tree, I mean, from, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat or even touch it. Just think about that. You must not eat or even touch it. If you do, you will die. So the Father heart of God, right? Very clear. Because Eve knew that part. Very clear what he was specifying. All right. So. I want to go back and look at, and keep on going to verse 4. And he says this. This is the serpent. He says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God. First assault. First lie. And you'll be like God. Very enticing. Knowing both good and evil. Knowing both good and evil. Meaning that 
whatever you have from the Father, you have to question that really. Because what if? Did he really say that? But what if there's another alternative, another possibility, something even better? He's holding out on you in this part. Because he ain't going to die. Surely not. But as a matter of fact, you be like him. I remember what I said, identity. Mm. So let's look at the word shrewd, right? It says having or showing sharp powers of judgment. Another definition or another word that goes with it is astute. Which is having or showing the ability to accurately assess situations or people and turn this to one's advantage. So the devil is not, it's not as dumb as we think that he is. He is a liar. Okay. But that word shrewd shows you the awareness that the enemy actually had. Fully aware. And he looked and he saw an opportunity, right? Because remember when he was tempting Jesus and he couldn't do it after three times? He got mad and he says, he did what? He left for what? Another opportune time. Okay? Opportunity. All right. I'm not going to read the list of words. I was actually showing you here to the mirror. It's like, I'm not sure where you're going with this stuff, but that's a lot of words. But just talk about shrewd. Okay? It's sharp. Acute, intelligent, clever, canny, perceptive, observant, wise. Then it goes again and says canning, artful, crafty, calculating, disingenuous, which is pretending to know more than you really know. But disguising it as such. Because if you notice the way the devil came to her, like with this humble, contrite heart, did he really say that? I mean, you're really not going to die. Anyways. Then the last word that caught my attention about the shrewd part that is related to it is the word sapient, like homo sapient. And he says, wise or attempting to appear wise. Wise or attempting to appear wise. And if you notice, with the enemy himself, the first thing he did was, he came without wisdom. And then as he was speaking to Eve, he was attempting to look like he was being wise. Remember, the devil is a liar. So, do Eve have to take the bait? No. But did any package it in a manner that she was convinced that this is the right thing to do? Hmm. So, here's where I'm trying to go with this part. 
the enemy knew exactly what he was going to offer Eve. On the front end, it looked like it was the best possible thing that she can have. Okay? And when I say Eve, I'm talking about Adam and Eve because he was part of that. Okay? So the enemy knew behind his hand, it was the real deal that he really had. What he was presenting was the facade and the appearance of wisdom. The appearance that there's something here that you're missing. And I know more. If you do try it, I promise you, you'll get to know more. You're going to be exactly just like God. But behind his back, he was holding exactly the ace that he was actually offering. Because I'm sure as soon as Adam and Eve had that fruit, boom. He said, this is actually the rule package that I have for you. Mm. So here's the opposite of those words that I just read. Okay. Stupid. Unintelligent. Ignorant. Dense. Brainless. Mindless. Foolish. Cookie. Loony. Loopy. Screwy. Gosh, Lord, bless the English language. There's other ones, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure I'm going to say them. But I'll leave those ones. You can go look it up. Okay. Google's, good. Google's really good at that. But you can see exactly what the enemy was offering. So behind his back, this is exactly what he had in, in mind. Not what he was presenting. Okay. The Turkish delight. But, uh, but, it's, but it's not really. So that's what he actually offered to mankind. And if you notice, you can see that struggle throughout history. Okay? And uh, if you have kids, I am sure you've experienced some of that. Okay, as a father or as a mother, sometimes I make decisions and you're not sure what's actually happening in their mind. Okay, you can actually see that part. So in my heart, I'm going, I wonder what was going through the father's heart. You know, and obviously me as a father, I'm limited, right? So if my kids make mistakes, sometimes I'm not as gracious, okay, as understanding either. That's why you have a wife. She can let you know when you're coming after her kids. Amen? Mm. So the devil, after all that left mankind in a state of being dazed, really, and unable to think clearly. Unable to think clearly. So he left us in a state of despair and fractured identity. Not even know who we are anymore. I can see the agony that was going through Adam and Eve. Just think about the sweet fellowship that they had. And the moment they took the bait and took the lie. The devastation, because they looked at their own kids, Abel and Cain. And they see the fruit of what is actually happening. And I'm sure in their mind, it's, it's like, you know... Probably regret, probably shame, 
sadness, heart, I mean, all sorts of emotions going through. Just because of that one choice. And the part that I want to say, here's what the father really already had for them, right? So when you look at those words and you look at the opposite of those words, and I'm going to look at those words that I just read, which is cookie, loony, loopy, and all that stuff, and actually see what the father will really actually offer Adam and Eve. In truthful and probably, I mean, very transparent, not holding anything back. Intelligent, clever. Sensible, prudent, and the list goes on. That's what the Father already offered. Mm. Mm. I'm getting somewhere. But here's where the father started really showing me and imparting to me. It's actually seeing how he looks, how he looked at Adam and Eve from the fall and how he looks at us. The moment Adam and Eve fell, the father already had a plan and he started the pursuit immediately. If you notice, he came to the garden looking for them. And he already knew very well that they already fallen, they already ate the fruit, the forbidden fruit. They knew that part. He knew that part. When I say they, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, they knew that, period. But he came looking for Adam and Eve in the garden. Think about a father's heart. That's a good daddy who says, I know that I've seen my kids have made a mistake, but I'm still going to pursue them. From that moment, there was this, he set his eye on the prize and he said, I'm going to pursue my children. I'm going to go after them. And I'm not going to stop at anything until I have them back. And that is the journey that he began from the Genesis. And you can see it. Because the father really wanted to be close to them. Wants to be close to us. And the part that I want to just emphasize on. Just still think about the father and think about identity. Those two things, like you, you cannot separate that. In my own life, I can, I can say this about my own life. Um, I think my dad was gone by the time I was like maybe two. I have no memory of him. No pictures together. Like Nothing. We saw each other on the street. I don't think he will know who I am. Neither will I know who he is. Because we've never, ever interacted. Period. And for me, for years, right, I couldn't understand what was actually happening in my heart. Was I'll make certain decisions, you know, certain choices and stuff like that. When you run into things that you actually need, you need somebody to give you good advice, Right? Usually, you want to run to your dad so you can get that part. Hey, dad, man, I'm, you know, I'm about to buy this house. What do you think? Is this a good situation? Blah, blah, blah. All this other stuff, right? And, and in my life, 
I didn't think much about it. Okay, because how do you think about somebody that you've never had an interaction with? So it's not like there's any connection or relationship, right? So in your mind, you're not thinking about it. You're like, you know, this is the way life is right now. Um, other people did step in as fathers. My grandfather was one of them. My uncles were one of them. You know, I mean, whenever I was misbehaving and my mom couldn't handle me, she called my uncles. And in Africa, you don't want your uncles to show up. Because all of them show up. And I'm not joking, actually. <laughs> you know, and they stepped in. But there's something always that I felt wrong in my heart. I was like, your uncle should not be the ones that discipline you, really. That's a dad's job. That's not an uncle's job. That's not a grandfather's job. But my granddad never really did discipline me. He was a good granddad. I love him. Like, he, he never spanked me one time. As a matter of fact, he tried to rescue me a few times. You know, so, but, but not having that awareness until later when they had this anger that would just bubble up at different times. Like I feel, like if I feel cornered, I just get angry. Like, like, and, and the reason for that is it's the only way of escape. I want to escape this situation right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to handle it. Because nobody's even really taught you how to handle those situations. So because nobody's taught you that part, you don't know exactly what to do. So you only do what you know with your emotions. I feel threatened. Even though there's no threat, I, I need to get out of here. The best way I can get out is just get angry. And if I get angry enough, this person is going to get out of my way. And they, but they might not even come back and talk to me no more. I don't have to deal with the situation. Mm. Until one day, I remember was in the prayer room, actually, the father said to me, just straight up, the reason you're angry, you're actually, it's because you're angry at your father. And I was like, how's that possible? I never met the man. I don't even know what he looks like. I have no relationship with him. So how's that even possible? How can I be mad at somebody that I'm not even seen? Like, it didn't make any sense to me. And the Lord was relentless in that pursuit. And he started bringing stuff up. Like one of the first things that he brought up was this. I was thinking like when I got married, right? You expect your dad to be there. It's a big day. It's an important day, right? Boom. That's the first thought that came through my mind. And I was like, oh, my word. I, I mean, I got mad. And then I got sad. Then I felt shame. Like you, when you go through these emotions, then second part, when my first kid was born, I'm like, they have a grandma, but there's no grandpa. And all these important moments in my life, he's missed all of them. Graduating from college, getting a decent job, you know, trying to find out sometimes, okay, what should I do here? What should I do there? And then all those memories start coming out because I'm like, I've had nobody to really talk to. This should be his place. This is his place. And then that's when I started agreeing with the Lord. So I can actually start receiving true healing. And this is something that the Lord did sovereignly. 
Okay. I mean, I'll talk to Byron and stuff like that. I'll talk to my wife and stuff like that. But this one day, the Lord just gives me a dream. And we just talked about dreams yesterday in the prophetic bookend. And in this dream, I'm fast forwarding for the sake of time. And in this dream, it was a three-story house. And I'm sleeping at the very top. And, uh, you know, and it's at night. You know, in the dream, it was night and stuff like that. So I was in my bed sleeping, just, you know, snoozing away. And I thought somebody tried to break into the house. And I'm like, so I get up, and I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure where it's coming from. And I'm like, but I'm holding the third floor. Who's, going, who, who's, who's crazy enough to climb three floors to break into a house? Wouldn't it be easy to go through the fast floor? And that was a different meaning part of the dream. But the window busts open, and somebody walks in. And since, you know, when it's at night, you can see the moonlight and stuff like that. So, but you can't really see the figure that well. Until he came towards where the moon was, and I could see half of his face. And the first thing I said is, Dad. Like I knew it. He pulls out a knife, and he starts coming after me. And I held him, and I held the knife. And I said, listen, not today. You're not going to ruin my life this way. Not today. And I fought with him, and I threw him out the window. When I woke up, I was sweating. But immediately, the pain, the anger was gone. And for the first time, I understood that the Father God is actually my real daddy. I was telling the Lord, if I can get through this message without crying, I think I'm doing pretty good. Thank you, Larry. But that was a defining moment in my life. Ah. It changed everything. And all of a sudden, my identity, those so fractured, started coming together. See, that's the father heart of God. From Genesis, that he saw that his children's identity completely shattered. And he couldn't stand it. And he said, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to move heaven I'm going to move hell. I'm going to move earth until I get to my kids. I'm going to skip a few of these verses. Because... Lord, help me.
Yeah, I'm just going to go to Genesis 3, 14 through 15. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go what the Holy Spirit is doing right now. Um, he's, I want to emphasize the importance of how the Father uses prophetic words to heal and mend your identity. As soon as Adam and Eve fell, right? Then the cool of the guy, they hear the father, they run away. They hide. They're full of shame. So it sounds like they forgot who they were. And here's what he says in Genesis 3, 14 through 15. This is, and the Lord God said to the serpent, right? First prophecy, to this happened. Says because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman. He will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. That prophecy was from the father's heart saying here's what I'm going to do first I'm going to curse the thing that cursed you then second part I'm going to give you a word and this will be a liberation this will be where I'm going to begin to start setting you free and start absolutely healing your identity so that's the first part I want to talk about the prophecy part and the way it comes with identity then the second one I want to look at is First Timothy 1, 18 through 19. It says, Timothy, my son, hear my instructions for you based on the prophetic words spoken about you earlier. And I want to emphasize what it says, Timothy, my son. So may they help you fight well in the Lord's battles. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. It was so important that Paul wanted to remind Timothy, remember those prophecies you've given so you don't forget who you are. Because the enemy is going to come, try, come, try, come, try to absolutely steal that over and over again. Because he's always looking for an opportune time to try and come and fracture identity again, over again. Seeking that opportunity. And he got here, Paul saying, do not forget those prophetic words that were spoken to you because they will help you in the battles to come. So don't forget who you are. Do not forget who you are. That's why I like the, the Lion King, Mufasa. He's looking in the water and he's so lost as a son because his dad is dead. But his dad appears and this guy says, remember who you are. And from that moment, he remembered who he was, and he was able to go back home and actually set things right. That's what your identity will do for you. You can walk in absolute confidence because you know who you are in the Lord. And this is what was in the Father's heart from the very beginning. He started pursuing us, relentlessly pursuing us. So he gave that false prophecy. Hey, listen, here's what is going to happen to you 
serpent. You're going to crawl. You're going to experience most terrible things. But yet, the woman is going to have a child. And this child is absolutely going to crush you. He's going to crush you. Now, I'm sure Eve was not really thinking what that actually fully meant. Because when you're in that place of despair and fractured identity, it's hard for you to comprehend what that is. But when it does happen, then you start understanding, oh, wow, Father, you've been here all along. You've been saying this all along. And it's the same things like when Jesus says stuff like, listen, I'm telling you this ahead of time so that you may believe when that stuff happens. So that you may know that I'm in you and you're in me. So when Jesus shows up in the scene, right? The fulfillment of that prophecy. Okay? Jesus shows up in the scene. And guess one of the first things that he starts establishing? He goes and says, straight up. Okay? I'm going to... John 3.16. Right? Everybody knows that one. What did he say? For God so... So love the world. And actually when I was sitting here, I just kept on hearing that over and over again. So loved, so loved, so loved, so loved. I want you to hear that over again. So loved. This is a father. This is now Jesus, the son who's been with the father and knows the father. Has never been separated from the Father and absolutely understands his identity in the Father. And he says, I know my Father and this is his heart towards you. For my Father who so loved the world, so loved the world that he has sent. He's what? One and only begotten Son. So that what? So that, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have what? And then he goes on to 17. There's another part for 17 that I like. So God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. Think about what I say from Genesis. The father's heart the moment Adam and Eve fell and the pursuit that began from that moment, I'm going after my kids. I'm going to get them back. And the fulfillment of that prophecy shows in the flesh. And they're standing, he's standing before the disciples, talking to the disciples. This is the whole book of John. It's about the Father. Jesus establishing that, saying, this is the Father. This is what he is like. This is how much he loves you. So loved, so loved, so loved. I just keep on hearing that phrase. It just will not leave my heart. And you have, you know, the disciples over there just, just, trying, to, just trying to figure out. I know I'm kind of jumping around back here, but 
She's doing great. She's bearing with me because I'm going back and forth. Because I'm just going with the order the way the Holy Spirit wants me to do it in. Rather than the order that I had it in. Okay. So here's, here's John 14, 8, 9. Right? Here's Philip. Right? You all know the story. I don't want to like read the whole thing until what Philip was saying. So here goes Philip. Philip goes, Lord, show us the Father and we will be satisfied. And if you look at the previous chapter, Jesus talked about the Father. And Philip was like, can you show us the Father then? Like, do you hear the cry that is in Philip's heart during that part? Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Because he was hungry for that part. He was hungry to be made whole in that part. Because there was a hole in his heart and he was like, please then show us who the Father is. And what is Jesus' response? Have you been... Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Mm. Mm. The word that was spoken became flesh and is standing in the midst of man and declaring this is what the father is like. If you've seen me, you have seen the father. Because you say me and the father are completely alike. Character-wise, compassion-wise, love-wise, not a separation. Because the Father is in me reconciling the world to himself. Because the Father is in me reconciling the world to himself. Then it goes on, you know. It says, you know, some of us things say, don't, don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words are speaking. Not my own, but my father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I'm in the father and the father is in me. I'm just going to stop there. Then when you go to John 14, 6 to 7, it says, Jesus told him, you know, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one can come to the father except through me. If you had really Knowing me, you will know who my father is. From now on, you know him and have seen him. That's a bold declaration. It didn't say wait, then you will see him. It said from now on. From now on. From now on, you know him and you have seen him. See, that was Jesus revealing the Father at that part. And this is the Father himself showing his pursuit from Genesis, chasing after his kids, chasing after his kids to reestablish their identity. And you can see that through Scripture, through the Old Testament, that hot pursuit, all those prophecies about the coming son. 
When you start saying those things, all of a sudden like the Bible makes sense in a whole different light. Because now you fall in love with the Father even deeper. Because you can see the pulsating heart that was in him saying, I'm coming. I'm coming. I know you're hurting. I know you don't know who you are anymore. But I'm coming. And I'm going to find you. I'm going to find you. And when I find you, I'm going to let you know who you are. Because I know how I made you, how I created you. I know who you are. That's what the Father said. I know who you are. And because I know who you are, I'm the only one that can absolutely establish that identity and heal that part of your heart. That you may know and walk in confidence as a son. Sacrifice one son for many sons. Because he said for once. The first one from among the dead. Out of that, there'll be many sons and daughters. Each one of you is sitting in this room because the Father has pursued you. From the beginning, he pursued you. That's what you're able to see here and go, wow. The day you encounter Jesus is the day you encounter the Father. But you were not aware until Jesus starts revealing. He is what the Father is. And this is what the Father is like. And that's why Jesus says stuff like, listen, don't come a time. You just ask the Father directly. It's in John. I'm not going to read it. Because time was I don't have enough time. But he says that. You cannot come to the Father directly. Hmm. I just love how the Father pursues us. It's endless. It's so passionate. Like, he completely abandoned everything. And he laid down the best thing that he felt that he could lay. So that he can reestablish us back to him. And know that I am your father. That before I put you in your mama's womb, I knew you. Yeah. All of a sudden, scripture starts jumping out on you because you're like, oh my word, now that makes sense. On Psalm 39, you can see why would David cry that out? Because all of a sudden, he has his epiphany. You are the father. Because before, you knew me before I was born. You put me in my mama's womb. What did he tell Jeremiah? This is a Bible quiz. The prophecy that he gave to Jeremiah. Before I formed you, I knew you. And I'm doing what? I'm sending you to the what? Nations. It's like identity established. Boom, the sending out happens. Identity happens. Boom, the sending out happens. Because now you know who you are. And so it makes sense when you say, in this world, you are like me. That's what Jesus said. No separation. He says, I'm a son, you're a son. Now go. Here's my commission to you. Go into all the world 
end, speak. Release the gospel. Baptizing people in the what? The name of the? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Saying, your son, I'll go and find my other sons that are still out there. Hmm. And here's the beauty of the father too, you know. Just when you think that, talk about his extravagance. And declaring his love and, his, and establishing identity solidly in him. You know, like in Genesis, right? He's a man who's already... I'm kind of going back and forth there again. Yeah. Genesis, right? Still, I think it should be Genesis 2 this time. Yes. Genesis 2. Starting from verse 18 through 25. And I'm going to read this and I won't bring a parallel to the New Testament, the book of John. Says this, then the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I'll make a helper who is just right for him. Okay, I want you to think about that word. Who's just right for him? Because it's not good for man to be alone. What did Jesus say to the disciples? I'm not going to leave you as orphans. It's not good for man to be alone. I am not going to leave you as orphans. Okay. So he goes through the whole shebang, creates all these animals, brings them to man. He gives them names. No good helper. No good helper. It's like you can have all the riches in the world. The sweetest cows you can ever have. But none of those are helpers to you. Mm. Mm. Maybe I say too much. None of those things are helpers. All those animals, I'm sure, are beautiful animals. But still, none of them could satisfy the loneliness that man had. And the father was like, in his wisdom, was like, nah, I can't live him this way. He really needs a helper. Right? So, the locals man fall into deep sleep. Right? Well, the man slept. The Lord God took out from man's ribs and closed the opening. And then we know the story, right? And he went ahead and formed a woman. And the first reaction of man was what? Whoo! This one is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She'll be called woman. So I want you to think about that word helper, right? So Jesus goes, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to go to the Father, but I'm going to send who? The Father's. Okay. I'm going to send a helper. 
so that you know, so that you know you will never be alone. You will never be alone. It was not good for man to be alone. So the father was not like, well, now that you, you know Jesus, now that you met me and he's still on this earth, uh, now you're good to go. Now walk. I said, no, no, no. I'm going to send you a helper who's just right for you. So the Holy Ghost is right for us in every sense of everything that I can think about. Woo. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. So the importance of the Holy Ghost that the Father gave us, the gift to the Father, the promise that was to come, boom, now he lives in us. The perfect helper. Right for us. Think about that part. When you look at Genesis, you're going, I've never seen this stuff before. But all of a sudden I'm going, wait a minute. Okay. Have, have I not seen this all my life? And I've been reading about it all and over again. Whoo. You guys all right? So just so that you know that the Africa is not just speaking his own words. I like using a lot of scripture. And for the people, thank you. Because I know it's a lot. And I know when you hear me preaching, I meander around like a river. So you just got to keep up. Just put your sail up and let the wind blow and go with the river. That's the best thing I can tell you. Just go down with the river. If it's going downstream, just go downstream. If you don't have any oars, hey, the Holy Ghost. Okay. And he says this in John 14, 16 through 18. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Eh? That, that eh, it's like, you know, whenever I have us go, eh, it's like, where is the celebration for that? He will never leave us. I'm goodness, he will never leave us. I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how better he can get. He will never leave us. This helper who's right for us will never leave us. You will never be alone. Jesus' word or prophetic word, I will not leave you as orphans. We are not orphans anymore. We're sons and daughters established in our identity because we're in the likeness of Christ himself. In every way, we're in the likeness of Christ. As the fathers love me, I've loved you. And now that, now that, ooh. Yeah. You, you got to go look at Jesus' prayer. I don't have enough time to read it. Look at Jesus' prayer, what he prayed for us. Not just for the disciples, but for us. His prayer. Mm. Father, may they be one with us as we are one. Ooh. You got to love the Father. His relentless pursuit 
is just beyond our imagination. Anything we can think about beyond above, we cannot even comprehend the immensity of so loved, so loved, so loved, so loved. I'm not going to finish the rest of the verses on that one. But I want to finish with these two things. Actually, just, I'll just say this. Go read Psalms 103. Okay. Just go read Psalms 103. You, you'll get something out of that. So I'm going to leave that alone. I'm, I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit. But read Psalms 103. But I want to finish with these. Last one. Romans 8, 19 through 23. See the eagerness of creations for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. It's like the creation is groaning. And Paul saying for the sons and the daughters of God to be revealed. And today, the Father is just activating that part in us. That we, we are that. We are those sons and daughters who are being revealed. I'm not going to say that waiting to be revealed. Who are being revealed. Every place that you go, whether you're conscious about it or not, you actually change the atmosphere in that space. With me teaching and stuff like that, I like playing worship music in my classrooms all the time. I put in really low music, like really low, they can't barely hear it. But here's what they keep on saying over and over again. I don't know what it is, Mr. Magus, but every time I come in here, I feel so much at peace. I feel like I don't even want to leave the classroom. I mean, can you go teach other classes as well? I'm like, I can't teach English. I can barely speak it. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm going to need something different from that. But hey, if they offer Kiswahili class, I would do it. That's a foreign language. You can, yeah. Petition, petition administration. Please add foreign language, Kiswahili. I can teach you that one. But he says, for all creation is waiting eagerly for the future day when the God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's cause. Back in Genesis. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. I mean, just think about what Jesus did when he came. The son was revealed and everywhere that he went, he did good works. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. The list goes on. That is the revelation of being a son and a daughter. So,
I'll just leave it. You can go read the rest of it. But I just, I hope this word spoke to you and spoke to your heart. That the father heart, whoo. He's so good. He's, he's really good. Father, we just thank you that he never gave up on us. That we can see as witnesses to your goodness, Father. Because it's your kindness that led us to repentance, Lord. It was not your judgment. But it's your kindness, Father, that you revealed through your son. That you so loved us that you sent your son not to condemn, but to save and give us eternal life. We cannot think enough, Father. Thank you for listening to a River Life Fellowship podcast. To get more information, check out riverlifefellowship.com.